Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Today I'm speaking on the Edge series, part two. Today I want to focus on Gideon. I want to focus on how God took him from being on the edge of a wine press to the edge of a battlefield and what God taught him along the way, how he grew in his relationship with God and how he grew in his relationship with his community and with others. My prayer this morning is that this message would grow you, that it would speak to the deep places in your life. When I was in my 20s, I used to spend a lot of time at the beach down south, and my favourite beach was Boomer's Beach. I uh, used to take my bodyboard under my arm and, and head off into the waves, and I chose Boomer's because the waves were big there and kind of aggressive and it was a lot of fun and, and they would build up quite high and you could get the board, your body board in there and, and get in a bit of a tube. And I loved it. But the reason the waves were big there wasn't because the water was any different or the wind blew them a certain way or because of the salt content. But the reason the waves were like that was because of what was going on on the bottom of the ocean. You see, the bottom of the ocean is very deep there and it becomes very shallow. It's a very steep beach, which causes, as the swell comes in fr from the depths, it, it kind of hits that and, and it causes the waves to lift up. So what you see is on the surface isn't due to anything on the surface because of what's happening on the bottom of the ocean and we're the same. People are the same. Quite often when we have issues or when things happen in our lives, we try to address them on a surface level. We try to change the way we act or, or how we behave. We see that as the problem, but really it's coming from the, the depth. It's coming from the ocean floor. It comes from our, our beliefs, our fears, our issues. It comes from our identity, how we see ourselves and what we think we need to do to be accepted. So this morning I want to speak into the ocean floor areas of our lives. I just want to encourage people, I want to encourage you to come with me, to, um, to go there, to the edge with me, to let the Holy Spirit challenge you. So let, let's start. Judges 6 says this, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where is all his wonders that our ancestor talked about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. A while ago, I had a, a couple come and visit me in my office. They wanted to talk about their relationship. Really, their marriage was on the edge, on the edge of collapsing. And what they said, it really stuck in my mind because I'd, I'd heard their story more than once, not from them, but from uh, lots of other couples. And also, it was very similar to my story and what I'd been through in, in my relationship. And so uh, it really struck me. So they started to share around what was going wrong in their relationship and their, and their lives and what was going on. And when they finished, I, I said, could I sum up what I think you've just said? In my words, correct me if I'm wrong. And I, I turned to the wife and I said, you feel like you carry the weight of this relationship. You feel like it all rests on your shoulders and you, you're finding that really hard. I, I feel like you feel like you're not his priority. That everything else comes first in his life and, and you're making everyone else your priority but you kind of get left at the bottom. You said as you were describing your marriage that you didn't sign up for this. You, this isn't how you thought it was going to be when you stood at the altar and gave each other's lives to each other and you said you don't really feel like you're on the same team. Then I turned to the husband and I said, you feel like it's impossible to please her like you do all these things and you try so hard but you just can't ever seem to get it right and you just desperately want her to be happy with you to be pleased with you but you just never seem to get there you feel like a failure you said she's just never happy with me and you feel like she's not for you, that she's against you. How did I do? And she said, Mark, spot on. And he said, that's exactly how I feel. 
And so we see with Gideon in this hole that things had gone wrong with him, wrong with his life, that things weren't turning out the way he thought they should. And we see the same with this couple. We see that they're in a bit of a hole. Things aren't the way they'd hoped. The first thing that the angel does is really interesting. He does a purpose audit on Gideon's life. He he kind of starts to address what Gideon is in the world for, what God's purpose for Gideon is. And it's, it's something that Gideon hadn't really grasped or hadn't really recognized. And we see this idea of purpose really symbolized in this idea of a wine press. And here we're on the, the Bonds farm. This is an old uh, rainwater tank. It's very similar to how they constructed wine presses in ancient Israel. They were made of stone and they would crush the, the grapes over somewhere else on the edge and there'd be uh, some stone pathway leading down to cause the wine to fall down into this. And the, and the, the interesting thing is that, that Gideon was threshing wheat in there but that's not what it was made for. Wine was a symbol of, of freedom from Egypt, freedom from slavery. It was a sign of, of God's protection from the angel of death. It was, it was the sign of the, the blood of the lamb and the Passover feast. Yet Gideon was hiding in there from the Midianites. And so we see that it's not what it was. And like, like this wine press, Gideon's life represented that. He was called to be the saviour to his people, but he was hiding. And his ears were so deaf to the call of God in his life to be so much more. God has to resort to sending an angel to get his attention. So we see this idea of purpose was completely missed, but the angel starts to call it out. And likewise with the couple in my office, they'd lost sight of the purpose of their relationship, the purpose of what God wants marriage to be. It's not simply a place to be happy or to, to get an easy life but it's meant to represent Christ. It's meant to symbolize laying down your lives for each other. And so I said to the husband and the wife, you know, the Bible says that we are to be each other's priority. We're meant to lay down our lives. In fact, in Ephesians, it says, Paul says, this is the, the great mystery. This is the great challenge of marriage is, is to be like Christ, to, to lay down your life for your wife to husbands. And so this is the challenge. 
and I said to the husband, what would it look like to you if your wife was your priority? If she was really your number one priority in life, if you put her above everything else in your life apart from God, if you really thought about what it would take to love her, what would that look like? And he thought about it. And I could see the thoughts in his mind starting to kind of roll out and he realised that he wasn't really laying down his life for her. And I said, what that is, do that. Those thoughts that what it would look like to, to make your wife your priority in life, do that. Do that. And I called out a deeper purpose. See, he was trying to please his wife, but he wasn't really loving his wife. He wasn't really doing all he could to be sacrificial and to make her first. And it was hurting her because she wanted to be a team. And they weren't really playing the same game together purpose. So my challenge to us this morning, my first challenge of what we can learn from Gideon's life is, are you treating a wine press like a threshing floor? Have you lost sight of what God is calling you to do? Are there areas in your life that you might, maybe, maybe you're even like Gideon, you're you're crying out to God with all these issues of things that are wrong when he's calling you out to be the change. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? What is God calling you to do? Many times things get messed up and get off track because we just simply forget to ask God, what am I here for? What am I here for? So my point one was, are you using a, a wine press to thresh wheat? Are you really understanding your purpose? And I challenged, challenged you, us, to, to seek out what God has for your life. Point two comes from Genesis six, uh, Judges 6. At that same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So point one is about purpose. Point two is about fear. Is there a, a Baal or Asherah pole in your yard? Here we have a, a big old 
wooden post. This is probably similar to, to what it was like in Gideon's day. Next to it, there would have been a pile of stones, uh, kind of roughly, crudely shaped figure of Baal, of stone, but Asherah was wood. Baal represented the seasons. You see, when they were in Egypt, they didn't really need to rely on the seasons. It was all to do with the Nile, but they moved to Canaan. All of a sudden, they were at the mercy of the seasons, and so Baal was very attractive to, to, to pray to and to, to cry out to that, that, God was, that he would send the rain. And Asherah, well, she was a female god of fertility, of childbearing, of nurturing, and they cried out to her. But it's not what God wanted them to cry out to. And even more in this story, this, this post or this pole represents what all the people were doing. It, it, it represents something that Gideon knew was not okay, but he let it stand there. He'd walked past it, past it every day. He knew that it wasn't really what God wanted, but he hadn't spoken up because of fear of disapproval, fear of his father, fear of the townspeople. God challenged him to, to cut it down. Is there something in your life? Is there a, a Baal or Asherah pole in your yard? Something that you kind of know is, is not okay, but you just ignore it. You don't face it. You don't face your fears. I spoke to the couple in my office and I knew that the husband was avoiding conflict. When the, when the wife shared about his life, it was a big theme that every time an argument started or, or, or anything like that, he was just trying to please her. He was telling her what she wanted to hear. He wasn't really doing what God had called him to do. See, avoiding conflict is not love. We're called to love people, and sometimes that means to stand up and say things that they don't like for their betterhood. And conflict also often makes us better as we face up to what our wives, our husbands, our friends are saying, we acknowledge it and it makes us grow. So often, what we avoid, what we avoid to face, ends up being, peace ends up being an idol in our lives instead of making us better. And so Gideon had to cut that down. And often, this is, this is another example of this, this deep sea bed, ocean floor stuff I'm talking about, often there's real reasons why we have fears of conflict. We think that if we disagree with people or we say what we really think, we'll be rejected, we'll be cast out, we'll be, we'll be discarded. And so quite often these fears come from really deep places, sensitive places, places of hurt. But God wants us to surrender them to him so that we can grow. Point three. Judges 7 verses 1 to 8. Early in the morning, 
Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod, which was like a, a creek, a spring. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Mora. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army that anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. The Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got on their hands and knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home, but keep these 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. So my point one is, are you using a wine press to thresh wheat? You know, are you living according to God's purpose in your life? Point two is, is there a Baal or Asherah pole in your yard? And the encouragement was to, to face your fears, to not avoid conflict, but face it head on. And my point three is, have you got too many friends? Have you got too many friends? And, and, and those of you that have utes or trailers and have a lot of friends that always ask you to help them shift house, you're probably thinking, yeah, I do have too many friends. But I'm not talking about that kind of friends. I'm talking about in the context of Gideon. Can you imagine it? The valley with 33,000 of the Israelite troops. I mean, that's as many as the whole of Murray Bridge and more and the surrounding districts, and they're lining these whole hills. And God says, too many, too many Gideon, 22,000 leave, left with 10,000. That's enough to fill the entertainment center, lining up all along the creek here. And, and he says, those that, that reach down and lap the water with their hand, they're the men I'm gonna use, and 300 are left. 300 because God he wanted them to trust not in the strength of numbers not in the resources but in the Lord so my point is do you have too many friends not too many friends but are you trusting in your own strength your own welcome to the gun show your own welcome to my bank account are you trusting in the Lord Today at the start, I said that I wanted to talk to the, the deep places. And I've challenged you about 
your purpose, a purpose that God is calling you to, a purpose that is too big for you to do on your own. I've challenged you to think around the things that motivate you, the things that scare you, the things that cause you to keep a distance from people. And these is, this is no light task. This is something that you can't do on your own. This is something that's a challenge. This is something that is really hard. This is something that you need God's help in. So, I want to encourage you to trust God. To trust God. To not look at your strength. To not look at the challenges that I've set before you today and, and, and choose to, to grit your teeth and go, you know what, Mark's got a point. I feel God challenging me to, to seek Him for purpose and just try and, and do it. Or try and... and and just kind of get better. That's not the point of this message, just to try and face your fears. But I want to encourage you to trust in God, trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in, in your resources, not in your friends, not in your community. How do you know if you're doing that? If you're getting up every morning and you're saying, Father God, what you have before me, your, your plan and your path for me, I can't do it on my own. I need your strength. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need you, Father. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that, you're not, that I'm not alone. If you're doing that, then you're on the right track. That is what it's like to, to live in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to trust Him. And, and a, on a similar Note, I, I challenged the, the husband and the wife in my office and I said to the husband, I said, there's going to be days that your wife isn't going to be behind you. She, she, you're not going to feel like she's on your team. You're going to not feel encouraged by her. Like I've challenged her. I, I want her to, to do that, to, to be what God's calling her to be. But there's going to be days where she doesn't have the capacity and she fails. And that is when you need God's strength. I encourage you to, to get before God every day and say, Father, I need your encouragement. I need to sense you in my life cheering me on because I know you are. I know that you see me as perfect when I fail and you don't see my failures, but you cover me with Christ and you see me like you see him. And then I turned to the wife and I said, I said, there's going to be days that your husband is not going to lay his life down for you. He's going to make mistakes. He's, he's, he's going to put himself first instead of you and he's going to forget to, to make you his priority. And even though I've challenged him at that, he's not perfect. And it's then when I need you to, to recognize that you are God's priority. To get out with God and soak in that, that understanding that he prioritizes you. He laid down his life for you and I need you. You need to soak in that truth to get to your purpose to get to face your fears, to get to be where God is calling you.
And of course, we know the story of Gideon, that as he trusted in his purpose in God, and as he faced his fears, and as he chose his 300 men, that they faced Midian, and they were victorious through the power of God. And that is my prayer for each one of you guys. Let's close in prayer. Father, I just pray for each and every person here. I pray that as they uh, listen to your challenge about purpose in their lives, that they would be willing to strive in that, to, to not be willing just to, to use the things that the wine presses in their life for something other than what they've been made for, but they would realize that they've been made for a purpose and they would go towards that that they would face their fears and not shy back from conflict. They would realize that just making people pleased with them is not always love. So we pray for that, Father. And I pray that they would remember to not just go off in their own strength, but to rely on your strength and your Holy Spirit. I just pray that over everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.